8 o'clock. Jim Davis and the Buckeye Boy. The Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network, 101.1 FM, 1340 AM here in the Valley, 102.1 along Highway 50 and online all the time at the theteam1340.com. It's Monday the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Later on, we'll have our Browns cremation and funeral service, Good Call, Bad Call. Prep Stars and Mighty Mavs coming up later on this hour as well. Sean Payton will be introduced today as the new Broncos head coach. We are working on trying to uh, get that presser on with uh, our friends over at 850 KOA, 11 o'clock this morning for that. We know that um, they'll be interviewing Brian Flores for the defensive coordinator job tomorrow, and you're going, well, why? Why? They got a Giro Vero, right? Well, no, they don't. They released him out of his contract, and he signed yesterday to be Frank Reich's defensive coordinator in Carolina. Said he wanted a fresh start. He met with Sean Payton. Remember, he was longtime friend, well, still longtime friend, former teammate of Nathaniel Hack when they played at UC Davis. Just felt like it was time to move on and did not want to work with Sean Payton. I don't know so much he didn't really want to work with Sean Payton. I shouldn't phrase it that way. He just felt like, I mean, big reason he went there was Nat Hack. And just interviewed for the job. The Broncos obviously didn't hire him to be the head coach. And felt like it would be a good idea to be someplace else. I don't necessarily blame him. I mean, there's part of me that, well, wouldn't you want to work with Sean Payton? You're going to be with this same defensive unit that you you took to a a top 10, at one point top ranking in the NFL in terms of scoring defense. Why wouldn't you want to stay around? You, you didn't get hired as the head coach. They fired your buddy. You don't know Peyton that well. And that maybe you just feel like this is, you need to go someplace else. I, I don't have, I don't have a problem with him wanting out of Denver and wanting to go someplace else. I don't either. And I think that trying to. I wish he would have stayed, but yeah, yeah, I understand why. Trying to wedge him into Peyton's staff or. Saddle Sean Payton with a Giro Vero probably wasn't going to go very well anyway, right? There's hope that it could be a kumbaya marriage made in heaven, but sure, he would be the first one on the block if things don't go very smoothly. You know what I mean? Now, right. with Payton's own guy that he brings in, presumably somebody Sean Payton wants, right? It's not going to be a George Payton going, hey, Here's our DC. No, it's it's going it's, it's it's to right. be Sean. So now there's there's not really a scapegoat for Sean Payton. You know, Ajero Vero would have been if the defense didn't play. You know, just blindingly great. He could always been like, you know what? I just need something else here, Ajero. Thanks, but no thanks. So I think this is kind of the best for everybody. A lot of coaching staffs are based on relationships. On people you've yeah. worked with before, people you have a comfort level with. They don't have a comfort level. No. Could they have made one? Probably. Maybe. I don't know. But I mean, you'd like to think, right? But I just think it's better for everyone involved. A Jero Vero doesn't have to be wedged into a coaching staff to where he may not be a fit. And Sean Payton doesn't have to come in and be saddled with an assistant that he may not want. Denver finished seventh in yards 
finished 13th in points per game. That Rams game did not help. <laughs> did not help at all. So, I mean, he did have a defense that was among the better defenses in the league. But for Vero, you know, when, when there's just, there's not that relationship there. And I'm glad he sat down and talked with Peyton. I think mm-hmm. that, that was, if you're a Jero Vero, you should do that. You don't want to burn a bridge with somebody because yeah. who knows where down the road he might want to come back to Denver. Or whatever the case may be, there might be a situation where he works with Peyton somewhere down the line, mm-hmm. presumably Denver for the next five years, that maybe you don't you don't want to burn that bridge. It's just it, it's it's a it's a poor etiquette professionally to go. No, I'm not going to talk to you. And so they had the, the meeting, and it didn't. It, they could not come to a an agreement on him staying. And so now Brian Flores, one time Dolphins head coach, who's a finalist right now for the Cardinals job, by the way. Because remember, Arizona's still looking to hire somebody. They're still that, looking for a coach. That uh, Flores will interview for the job. Tomorrow and with the Broncos, he's also a top candidate for the Vikings job. Where a lot of us thought Jiro Vera was going to end up working with his old buddy Kevin O'Connell. They were on the Rams staff together, and that didn't work out. So now Brian Flores could be in the mix for Sean Payton, and another guy that could be in that conversation is currently an analyst on Coach Prime staff, and that would be one Mike Zimmer, former Vikings head coach. That that could be he's a, he's a close friend of Sean Payton's, and so that could be a possibility that Mike Zimmer ends up being the Broncos' defensive coordinator. So it'll be interesting to see where they where they go with that. Sean Desai with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Also, uh, the Broncos have asked to interview him for the DC uh, job in Denver. So there's uh, there there are options out there. But look, it is tough when you lose a guy like a Jiro Vero who did a great job in his first year. And but once again, you you have to you have to understand why he didn't want to stay. And I and I respect the reasons why he didn't want to. So, got some thoughts on that today. Text or call 970-242-1340. Sean Payton, by the way, according to Pro Football Talk, will make in the neighborhood. I'd like to live in this neighborhood. Yeah, right. Of $18 million a season. I'd like to live halfway to that neighborhood. Uh, (laughs) I think I could make do. I I would be be perfectly fine living... A third. Yeah, anywhere close to that neighborhood. Yeah. Where it starts at a million. I can... Mm -hmm. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll take 500000 a year. Yeah. I'll be perfectly happy with that. Don't even have to pay me. The other $17.5 million. Right. I'll take exactly. five, I'll take five hundred thousand and be pretty good with that. So, is it is he worth the money? Because if you look at it, I think Florio makes a really good point here. It's Brandon Cook's money. That's Kenny Galladay money. Mm-hmm. Those are just average wide receivers Those in the dudes. league. Those are dudes. And Sean Payton is a is a great coach. A guy that is on track to be a pro football Hall of Famer someday. If you're getting pay, if you're paying him Kenny Galladay money, I think you're okay with that. Hope hopefully though he'll have the kind of impact that 
that somebody you know that doesn't play the game has right because mm-hmm. he's he's not going to catch passes he's not going to throw passes he's not going to do any of those kind of things but hopefully his innovative offensive mind his organization organizational skills his ability to lead this football team and organization will be worth 18 million dollars a year or in that in that very nice neighborhood uh, Parker Gabriel for the Post wrote an article yesterday, and it really kind of drove home. You know, cause you know all the facts surrounding it, but to see it actually written plain as day for Peyton and Wilson, the Broncos gave up three first round picks, three second round picks, and three players. That's a lot for one player and one coach. It's got to work. There's a you want to talk about eggs and baskets, right? Or eggs before they hatch. Man, that's that's a lot invested in two guys that you don't know how they're going to work together. You know what I mean? Like, you hope. But... Yeah, because that's all you can do right now. You, yeah. don't, you don't know. Everybody's saying all that's the right things. That's a lot. Sean Payton's talked about how mm-hmm. Russ is not broken. Russ just needs the right scheme to play in. Right. Russ has talked about how much he wants to play for Sean Payton and what what he did mm-hmm. for Drew Brees. And a lot that, of people think to see they seem to think that system's gonna work well. And it, it might. It has to for what they've given up. Yeah, the the feeling tends to be from those that have played for Sean Payton that it's going to be a, a good relationship. Mm-hmm. That look, is is Russell Wilson gonna be a top five quarterback ever again? Probably not. Uh, no, I'd I, say, I think that's doubtful. That's pie in the sky thinking. He's gonna be better than Mahomes or Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. No, but if he's bottom half of the top ten, if he's top fifteen, and the defense plays anywhere close to what they the level they played at before, then this team could be a 10-11 yeah. win football team. It could be a playoff hey, team. Derek Carr was the eighth best quarterback in the conference. It was a Pro Bowler. Yeah. So the bar's very low. Exactly. For success for Russell Wilson. A lot of it, though, I think really gets down to Russ has got to be okay. Absolutely has to be okay with what Sean Payton's going to roll out there for him. Mm-hmm. And will there be plays where he estimate where he throws from the pocket, things that supposedly Russ really wants? Yeah. But you've got to speak to the strengths of Russell Wilson, which are still boots, waggles. Get out, get out of the pocket, make plays. Use your legs when when necessary. The run game is going to be critical here. You set up the play action, the vertical mm-hmm. routes, the deep throws, the chunk plays. And it's not going to be Russ throwing it fifty times a game out of the pocket. My breath catches in my throat when somebody says, "We need to do things Russ wants to do." Not anymore. Because didn't we see? 13 games of this? Not anymore. This last season? Wasn't that offense specifically designed for Russ? That's what we kept telling. We kept hearing from everybody. That he had a lot of input. That on he had a lot of on. input, and they formed it and shaped it together. I don't know how much I want to just let Russ dictate how you run the offense. And I don't think that's... I think, will Sean Payton allow some autonomy of Russ to go, hey, what do you think about this play or whatever? I could see some of that happening. There needs to be but, some of that, absolutely, but, but also... But it's going to be Sean Payton yeah. 
deciding how this offense looks there needs and to what's, be what's best. Some of what Russ likes to do within the framework of what Russ does well, which those things don't always overlap. What no. he likes to do is not necessarily the stuff he does the best. And it's respecting Sean Payton, his offensive acumen, and for Russ to go, you know what? You know best. You're going to get the most out of me. I trust you. I'm coming off the worst season of my career. Sean, tell me what we need to do here. And I'm I'm all in. I'm 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 totally bought into whatever you're going to do here. And guys don't get to be quarterbacks in the NFL with the type of mentality of man, maybe what I want to do doesn't work. But hopefully there's a little bit of that self-awareness and rust coming forward this year because some of his best plays were always the stuff that we heard he didn't really want to do anymore, right? Moving on the run, taking off, using his legs. He wants, and he's always wanted to be Drew Brees. He's just doesn't have the same toolbox that Drew Brees has. He's, he's never been great thrown between the hash marks. That's never been a Russell mm-hmm. Wilson strength. Can Sean Payton help him improve in that department? I would like to think so. Are they going to base their offense on him dropping back, throwing from the pocket 80% of the time? No. Will it be part of what they do? Yes. Does Russ have to be perfectly fine with what Sean Payton's going to roll out? Yes. And if he's not, this relationship is going to end in disaster. Mm -hmm. And it's going to end in Russ being a highly paid backup for a season and then playing someplace else. Yeah. Because Sean Payton will go get the guy that will do what he wants him to do, that will run the offense the way Sean Payton wants it to be orchestrated, not the way Russell Wilson wants it to be. And I think that's a good point, too, now because now this ownership group has as much invested in their head coach as they do their quarterback. Not necessarily monetarily, but draft capital-wise, and, um, you know, just kind of perception-wise, right? Because the ownership, wow, they went out and got Sean Payton. They have as much invested in him working as Russell Wilson working because... They've given him the keys to the kingdom here. He's yeah. he's now the guy that makes the decisions for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. It's not Russell Wilson. No. And Sean Payton does not give a rip if Russ likes him, hates him, whatever. Sean Payton's going to run this organization. And Russell Wilson might have thought that he was coming in and look, if things would have went swimmingly and they were a playoff team and Russ had one of his better seasons... Then we're not having this conversation. We're not even talking... Nat Hack's back for a year, too. And, yeah. But that didn't happen because Nathaniel Hackett was incapable of, of dealing with the superstar mm-hmm. that is Russell Wilson coming into Denver and what Russ wanted. Poor play design guy that was obviously you know out of his you know out of his depth and in, in regard to yeah. game management all the and just dealing with with the the adversity that the Broncos had in mm-hmm. 2022 that 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 guy is not there anymore right and that speaks to my point a little bit too with you know the investment in Sean Payton because the ownership group didn't invest in Nathaniel Hackett he wasn't their hire. Wasn't their guy. You know, Russell Wilson wasn't necessarily their acquisition, but they they gave him the contract. They invested in they him. They invested in him. And so when it's a a battle of wills between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson was always going to win out. 
Now they made an investment to get Sean Payton via draft capital and player personnel and also money with the neighborhood we are talking about he lives yeah. in now. Now the battle of wills is a lot more even when it comes and to... And in favor of Sean Payton. In favor of Sean Payton a little bit too because he can guide this franchise for the next 15 years if he chooses to. There's no age gap, mandatory retirement yeah. age on coaches. For the football player, for Russell Wilson, he might pull a Tom Brady and play well into his 40s. He's not playing very well into his 30s, at least if this last year's any indication. So you're right. I think there's it favors Sean Payton it's, this battle of wills if it ever gets there. It's 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 over with far as I'm concerned so that, because because the ownership group will look at it like this. For us has another bad season. Mm-hmm. It's not the coach, it's the player. Yeah. We try we changed the coach. You know, we brought in one of the greatest offensive minds in the mm-hmm. league to be the coach of this team. You had another subpar season. The problem is you, Russ. I think and, and that's how they'll view it and, and, and how they should view it. With the Broncos now having a head coach and an offensive play caller that is willing to tell Russell Wilson to his face and call plays around his limitations, I, as much as Russ may not like it, it may help him. It probably will help yeah. him, actually. I did find this interesting, the, the piece they had in the Denver Post. Uh, they were following Jay Norvell around when he was doing all the TV stops on uh, signing day. Mm-hmm. That... I didn't realize that Jay Norvell had played during uh, the replacement season, the the lockout, played with Sean Payton. They played together. They were the spare bears, as they called them, back in 87. And uh, they they were the guys, that the, the scabs that came in, mm-hmm. played for Chicago during the, actually it wasn't the lockout, it was the midseason strike. Jay Norvell played linebacker. Payton, out of Eastern Illinois, played quarterback. Jay Norvell had two sacks against the the scabs of the Eagles. Sean Payton got sacked four times, but the Bears did win thirty five to three. Look at that, Jay Norvell, Broncos coaching staff. Dot dot dot. Yeah, um, no, no, not not at this point in time. No, but today, eleven o'clock, Sean Payton will be officially introduced to Broncos country in the Denver media. But the Broncos website had the chance to catch up with him over the weekend. And this courtesy of the Broncos website, here's Sean Payton talking about the process of becoming the Broncos head coach. I think the one thing different this year that our league uh, saw was a longer process with all the teams. Uh, and, and the protocol has changed, uh, I think, for good. And, and so I think it became more hair-raising for the fans, uh, not just here in Denver, but the other cities that are in the midst of hiring head coaches. So, um, yeah, I think the patience and there was a complexity to my hiring, obviously, that involved compensation from the Saints. So that made that a little bit longer. And I think, uh, you know, I'm real thankful for George, uh, Peyton, and Mickey Loomis. Those guys were on the phone for, man, days working out the compensation that allowed this to happen. So it, that made it uniquely different, but uh, that much more rewarding. All right, one more. Sean Payton on starting from scratch. It really begins with the people. And so, you know, finding finding not only coaches, all the people involved in this process to be successful, it, it's really an organizational goal. And 
you know, planning to win, but then here's how. And, and so that involves a lot of details. It involves a lot of hard work. And uh, that's the exciting part about it. You know, it's when you do this long enough and then all of a sudden you're away for a year and then it's not like you jump back into it again. You actually start over from the very beginning. And on the grease board, you know, you've got coaches' names up and you're organizing interviews. Um, it can be, you know, it can feel overwhelming, but, it, it, you know, you certainly feel uh, recharged and, and challenged again. All right. That courtesy of the Broncos website, Sean Payton will speak to the media today when he's introduced officially as Denver's next head coach. You know, you know what's nice listening to that? Thought. Yes. You don't have the faux energy. Man, listen to listen to how energetic that guy sounds. Well, yeah, listen to just the basic platitudes. He's just saying them quickly. You know, oh, we got to get into work and we got to work every day. We got to get better every day. Every day is the Super Bowl. Sean Payton is at least thinking about what he's saying, you know, and it's not platitudes of, you know, you just jump right back in. He's like, no, I got to start over, right? You start all the way back at the beginning. It's just the, the thought that goes into answers is kind of refreshing. You mean better than this? Our communication is fantastic. I think that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a hard time regardless. I mean, anytime you make any cut, you're always making hard decisions because the guys have really done a great job, everybody. And I think I'm very lucky to have a guy like George that you can communicate with, you can talk with. Uh, if you have a disagreement, you, you, you can work it out and try to figure it out what's best for the team in the long run. Talk about the football aspect, the person is another thing. You know, all those different things, we want to be sure that we're having the right people here that are doing their job and we're on the same page from that standpoint. Jibber, jibber, jibber. Jibber, 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 And maybe he thinks that fast, and I'm not giving yeah. him the credit, but I just... And that's one of his better actualities, by yeah. the way, from Nathaniel Hackett. You know, but the whole thing, he's got so much energy. Just listen to how fast that guy talks. Sean Payton's slower, he's measured. Mean anything. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't care. I... I Bill Belichick's won six Super Bowls. Right. He's the most low-energy guy you're ever going he to He has and I don't, two I, I, notes. He doesn't even have a full range of notes. He has very monotone. We're on to Cincinnati. We're on to Cincinnati. Unless you're talking about lacrosse or Navy football. And then he gets geeked or out. Or Bon Jovi. Yeah, or Bon Jovi. Or like then 60s he gets excited. flanker ends or whatever. Then he gets all geeked up. But Then he gets a little more emotional about yeah. it. You know, but like it, it's nice to have. This is gonna sound so mean, and I know it sounds mean. Now I don't want people to come at me, but it's nice to have a grown up there, isn't it? And it certainly is. Uh, just <laughs> certainly is. Yeah, feels like wow. There's a there's a grown up in the room now. There's somebody that sounds like they know what they're talking about. Right. He's done it before. He doesn't have to try to win anybody over, because all he's got to do is just wear that gigantic rock on his finger into a room and be like, oh, man, this guy knows what he's doing. I hope they Look found him a visor. I hope they found him a uh, visor at the... at the. Oh, I'm sure they, they had. The Just team store. Took scissors to one of the ball caps. Make him a visor. Fine, Mr. Fine Coach Payton a visor. Yep. If you have to go make one, make one in the back. I saw some uh, Bronco visors at Walmart yesterday, so maybe Greg Pender knows the guy that knows the guy and can get one. I'm, I have a feeling that they will have a visor. If they don't already have one for him that... They in the, find one for in that post article I referenced, I think it was Parker Gabriel. He's talking about how he's got to go to the pro shop and get a visor. <laughs> he's not going to have to pay for his he, own visor, is no, he? No, he's like, not. He no. can. He's but making he, $18 million a year. But, but he's not going to. Yeah, I think that kind of comes with the job, right? Here's all yeah. your gear. 
exactly. Mm-hmm. Here's your here's your three yep. quarter zip. Here's your visor. Got the pink visor in October. Yeah. The camo visor in November, and then we'll put Christmas lights on it for December. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you get to wear it three weeks into January. Hopefully so. Pro Bowls yesterday. Woo! <laughs> well, it's actually been technically going on the last couple of days. That's true. Hey, how about that? Your guy, Miles Garrett, suffering a dislocated yep. toe. Winning the dislocated toe games. Which, he'll, he'll be fine. But, I, but once again, whether it's tackle football or flag football, or even the other stuff that they're doing, like dodgeball, Guys can get hurt doing it, and yeah. I just for for what for what benefit? So some fans can come out and watch them play dodgeball or flag football, and what other reason? And oh yeah, that's right, it's another televised event on a weekend where there's no NFL football, where they still can garner some viewership and some interest in the league. That somebody's going to be well. I'm not going to say that. Somebody's going to be bored enough mm-hmm. to go and watch the Pro Bowl and watch them play flag football. And I was not bored enough. And nor was I so. to do that either. All right, 825. And uh, once again, we hope to. I'm still waiting for confirmation from KOA on us uh, airing the press conference today at 11 o'clock. So we're still working on making that happen mm-hmm. today. All right, it is time for the number game. Let's play the number game on the Jim Davis Show. All right. Out of the 12... Oh, first of all, got to get to the, the, the big part. The winner of the number game gets a case of Coors Original, courtesy of our friends at High Country Beverage. 21 means 21, right? Keep right. that in mind. Keep that in mind. Uh, first answer on the text line. Text only, 970-242-1340. And the answer is always a number, hence the number game. So if you send me Detroit, you're going to be wrong. Here we go. Out of the 12 cities with teams in all four major sports, how many of them have won titles in all four major sports? So you have a top end that I gave you already. Right. Out of the 12 cities with teams in all four major sports, how many of them have won titles in all four sports? I like it. Mm-hmm. First correct answer wins that case of Coors Original, the banquet beer from High Country Beverage. Text in your answer now. Must be 21 or older. If you've won the last two weeks, please sit on the sidelines. Yep. And these are cities Don't do with it. teams currently in all four major sports. So like St. Louis, not part of it. Cleveland, obviously not part of it. Out of the 12 teams, 12 cities with teams in all four major sports, how many of them have titles? In all four major sports. All right. So text in now. 970-242-1340. It's the number game. Your chance to win that case of Coors Original from High Country Beverage. We'll take a break. We'll come back. It's Monday. The good, the bad, the ugly. What makes your list today? Text or call us. Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. It's 970-242-1340. Touchdown. Every morning. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name 
in automobiles. All right. Governor Mesa basketball teams, really good weekend for the men. They get the sweep against Regis and UCCS. The Maverick women, they get the split, losing to the Rangers on Friday night, beginning the win against UCCS on Saturday in the blizzard at Brownstone Arena, presented by Coca-Cola. So let's uh, start out with the women's basketball weekend for the uh, women. They lost to Regis, as I mentioned, on on Friday night by the score of 66-60, to despite a career-best 25 points from Monica Brooks, who had a really big weekend for the Mavericks. 25 points, 6 rebounds for Monica in that one. She hit uh, three threes in that game. She was 3 of 5 from 3-point range. Unfortunately, the Mavericks uh, unable to snap the uh, winning streak now at 12 games for Regis. And then on Saturday night, they were up by 14 and ended up having to scrap and claw and fight. Turned into a battle at the free-throw line. Falathon at the end of the game. Mavericks win 64-62 to in that game. And uh, for the Mavericks, uh, Kylie Kravig, 18 points. She was 9 of 10 from the foul line. She mm-hmm. came up big in that game. Monica Brooks had 18 points and 7 rebounds. And how about Olivia Reed? Monster, monster double-double. 16 points, 16 rebounds in that game as the Maverick women able to, to knock off UCCS. And uh, for the Maverick women, they improved to 8-14. Uh, and 14. They're now... Seven and nine in the RMAC, fighting for that uh, one of those last two spots in the RMAC postseason tournament. And after the game on Saturday night, Paxton Ritchie had the chance to uh, catch up with uh, Maverick women's head basketball coach Taylor Wagner to talk about what turned into a nail-biting game with the Mountain Lions on Saturday night. All right, we're here with head coach Taylor Wagner. Coach, uh, close game down to the wire. How does it feel? to finally have this team close it out and get a win. That's the key word, finally, right? Yeah. (laughs) We got it. You know, that's what we did. We did enough. You know, we had to make it difficult at times. There was a couple plays. I thought we almost gave it away, but, you know, we we made enough. We made one more play than them, and it was good to get the win. UCCS, obviously, full court press all game. How do you think your team dealt with that and handled the pressure? I thought they did a great job. You know, I can't remember a turnover, maybe one. But uh, I thought they did a good job handling it the whole time. And then uh, now that you have this win under your belt, you're right on the fringes of the tournament. This young group, how much confidence does this game give them moving forward? Well, hopefully we smile a little bit more. You know, hopefully it breeds a little bit of confidence. They only get tougher, so, you know, we just got to keep learning through each game. All right, congrats on the win, Coach. Thank Thank you. you. We'll send it back. All right, so there's uh, Paxton Ritchie talking with uh, Taylor Wagner. Look, I... I'm reluctant to criticize officials. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where I won't be. I created a bad job. Yeah. Talk, talk to a local high school official mm-hmm. or remain nameless that I saw at the game Saturday. It was like, wow, that was bad. There was some loose ball foul that should have been called on UCCS. Lynn Plett, their coach, he gets the ball and he slams it on the floor. Yeah. And, and no no technical and, and they were standing right there. They they watched him do it. It wasn't that like technical that, on Olivia Reed was a huge nothing burger to me. Terrible call. Like she she really wasn't taunting. It was a little strut. Maybe like two and a half steps. Is that when she blocked the shot? Yeah. Yeah. It was, like, yeah it was, come on, man. Or woman, whoever called it. That's a nothing burger to me. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that one. But hey, they survived, yeah, right? They, they got won. The win. I know you would have liked to have that Regis game. You move ahead of UCCS. Now you're in the final eight right now as it stands. Right. 
and four of your last six games are against teams that are ahead of you. You can make some hay. You have CSU Pueblo, MSU Denver, Westminster, and the School of Mines, four of your next six games. There you go. You can your you, destiny is in your hands, essentially, if you're the Mavericks. Now for the Maverick men, they are clearly in in, in a great spot when it comes to being in the RMAC mm-hmm. postseason tournament. They swept the weekend with the win against Regis They're on clubbing uh, fools this week. Yeah. <laughs> when they went on, on Friday night, eighty eight to sixty four. At one point they were up by thirty one in that game. Mm-hmm. It was just an absolute drubbing. Blaze three, career high thirty points in that game. Dude doesn't have to wear a shirt rest of the week. I don't. No, think. he does not. Not rest of the regular season. Yeah, no. you know what? He just go shirt free the rest of the way. Yeah, three for three, as far as three point range in that game. Got fourteen from Owen Kuntz off the bench. Kuntz uh, did. A, I thought played really well in that game. Had uh, three rebounds, but the fourteen points, eleven points for Isaac Jessup that uh, was three of five from three point range. Trevor Baskin, who took the shot in the side of the face. Oh, he had a big shiner yeah. on, over his left eye on Saturday. It was kind of a scary moment because yeah, he was, was. On, the, on the floor mm-hmm. for a minute or so and then was got up, went to the, the locker room, then came back out later with a bandage around his head, and then yeah. he had the ice pack on the side of his face. Didn't have to play again because they were, they were, they were cruising. cruising. But uh, Trevor Baskin finished with 11 points and, and four rebounds in the win against Regis. But with what Blaze 3 did, he was within four points of a 1,000 points mm-hmm. in his career with that 30-point effort on Friday night. So we fast forward, we moved on to Saturday where the Mavericks win. Another easy one, the Blizzard and Brownson, 83-63 to over UCCS. Blaze 3 at 18 points took care of becoming the 19th Maverick in program history to score 1,000 points. Isaac Jessup had 14 in the game. Christopher Speller, one of his better games of the season with 12 points. Owen Kuntz had 11 in that game as well as the Maverick men improve on the season to 18-4, and 13-3 for the 23rd-ranked Mavericks in that win. It was also the 300th win in the career of Mike DeGeorge. Not his Maverick career. He's got 100 wins as a Maverick mm-hmm. coach now. Well, 100-plus now. But 300 in his entire coaching career. Paxton Ritchie caught up with the notorious MDG after the win on Saturday. Coach Mike DeGeorge reacting to uh, up on the video board his 300th career win. Who's that guy on the right? Yeah, it's a guy before uh, having to deal with a lot of stress from coaching. A lot more hair there. But 300 career wins. I mean, I know you've talked before reaching milestones here about how hard your first few coaching jobs were. So now that you're 2-300 in your career, can you reflect on what it means? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, it's a great time to reflect and just thinking about all the players that you've gotten a chance to coach. And, you know, when you get to this point, you're just thankful for all of them and the opportunity to be able to, to do what we do for a living. So just really a lot of gratitude for all the people that have impacted it, from my parents who are watching tonight to uh, everybody that's followed and the support of my wife and my kids. So. Awesome. Now, as far as the game, uh, it was relatively comfortable throughout the second half. What did you see? from your team um, that sort of, it seemed like they wouldn't go away for a while, but you guys kept going on runs once they got within a few. What were, what do you think they were doing right? Well, we did a lot of good things. It was just kind of an odd game. We were very frustrated at times with the officiating, with our performance. And, um, you know, I think guys were really amped up for this game and really wanted to put like a perfect game together. And that's just not how basketball works. There are gonna be some bad things and we just didn't handle that 
that part of the game as well tonight as we normally do. But what we normally do is battle through it, and we were able to do that tonight and get the win. Another 2-0 home weekend. You guys have uh, Mines next week among some other games. What are you looking for from the team moving forward? Well, you know, I think that the conference season started out so so frustrating with the loss to Mines and Metro on that opening weekend. And so now we get to recheck and how much have we grown versus how much they've grown. So it'll be a great challenge going on the road trying to uh, get two wins after two losses to them the first time at home. All right, there's Mike DeGeorge. Congratulations to Mike and Blaze Threat on uh, their milestones from the weekend. And uh, Ethan Jordan will be heading over to the Front Range uh, for uh, Colorado School of Mines on Friday, Metro State on Saturday. Catch all the action on the team. CMU Sports Network presented by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. And we'll have uh, Maverick Baseball on Thursday. Our pregame at 1245, 1 o'clock, first pitch. Uh, Buckeye and myself will have uh, the Mavericks and Azusa Pacific to open up the season for Chris Hanks and the Maverick baseball team. All right, 839, Jim along with the Buckeye boy. Text call 970-242-1340. It's Monday, the good, the bad, the ugly. Do we have a winner yet for uh, the number game? We do. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Colin correctly IDing seven cities with the four major sports to win a title in all four sports. Do you want the seven? Go ahead. All right. New England, Boston, kind of, right. you know, that one That one works. Uh, New York, their most recent basketball championship is the New York Nets ABA title in 76. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. Uh, Los Angeles, who's won all of theirs since 2014, by the way. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., Detroit, yes, championships in all four major sports. Not just Super Bowls, but championships. NFL right. championship in 1957, and Chicago. There's your seven. And Colorado, which is just need a World Series, right? That's, yeah. that's it. Just need the World Series. Oh, you need the NBA, too, right? Oh, that's right. And basketball. Yeah. Well... They're closer. Can we can we count the well they didn't win an ABA championship? No, they, they lost got, to they got the, finals. the New York oh, Nets. Nets. That's right. They got to the finals, yeah. but so we need we nuggets need to deliver. Mm-hmm. Rockies need to deliver. Yep. Football. Minnesota was you know, close. Hockey they were, need were the football. Yeah. Or no, they need uh they needed uh hockey. Because the Minneapolis Lakers won the NBA before they moved. And as a championship, the Vikings were NFL champions. <laughs> Proceeding Super Bowl four, right? So technically, well, according to Pro now, Football Reference, yeah, they're an NFL champion. Yep, they're an NFL champion because they were still separate, separate leagues, leagues yeah. not not under the same umbrella. So they just needed the hockey, and the North Stars were the closest. But that right. doesn't count because not currently in the city. They can't reach out and claim Dallas, right, and say, "Hey, no, that's <laughs> what I mean." Yeah, right. Hey, come on, See? come on. They used to be. They used, used to be, to be North it Stars, was close, but nope, nope, doesn't count. Doesn't work that way. All right, 841, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. We'll make sure list for the good, the bad, the ugly from this past weekend. We'd love to hear from you today. Uh, from Guru, let's see, sounds like Russell Wilson is getting your whole blame. Least we forget, no Tim Patrick, no Javante Williams, no Garrett Bowles. Gordon fumbled away two games. Uh, running for also running for his life. I don't think neither did we. Did we totally blame Russ? I think we blamed Russ no. in the wanting to have 
lots to say about the offense mm-hmm. and the offense not necessarily clicking. And that was a lot. Of that was on Hackett. A lot yeah. of, and I'm I'm sorry. The, the Melvin Gordon thing, Guru. I'm I'm tired of that narrative about about Gordon. You you know who also fumbled at the one yard line this season with a chance to score in a one point game or in a one point loss eventually. Javante Williams. Saddle Nobody game. mentions that. Saddle game first game. Nobody bothers to mention because they still like Javante Williams. Nobody bothers to mention that he also cost them a game. And, and look, you're right about you know with with all the injuries. You know the offensive line was awful, and they better get some offensive line help. But but Russ can't be held if, blameless in this thing. If he was intended for Tim Patrick in the Indianapolis game and got intercepted, would that make you feel better? Instead of Tyree Cleveland, yeah. if oh, he, that was KJ Hamler, no, no, he was the one that was wide open. Oh, okay. the pass was intended oh, for, for Tyree, Tyree Cleveland okay. got intercepted. So if it was intended for Tim Patrick and gets intercepted, does that? Yeah, I, I just, I think Russ deserves some blame here, Guru. I'm, I'm not. We're not. Nobody's saying he deserves all the blame, but they, a lot of it. But he deserves his fair share of it. Let, let's be fair about that. All right, eight forty three. I do want to mention this very quickly. I wish I cannot find where they have beyond 15th all-time for the Mavericks. But if you're just kind of curious, some of the names that are on the list of 1,000-point scorers, mm-hmm. John Baskin, of course, Trevor's dad, all-time leading scorer, 220, uh, 200 and 2,227 points. Ryan Steffen, who was great, 2,073. Some dude named Paul Kane was pretty good. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. Third all-time. Connor Nichols, David Bond, who was really good, Sean Smith, Bo Smith, Chris Ellis, had the chance to play against Chris Ellis in City Rec basketball. Dwayne Horn was a, was an absolute stud. Lance Hatzenbeller, Andy Classic, just to name a few of the guys that are on that list, by the way, of 1,000-point scores. All right. Uh, I'm looking uh, at the season numbers for scoring. John Baskin's got three of the top nine seasons in school history. Yeah, John was pretty, <laughs> good. pretty good. John Baskin was pretty good. He was pretty good. Uh, 845. He almost got to 1,000 in one season. Yeah, he did in, in one season. It was it was an incredible run for the big guy. Pretty good. All right, 845. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll have a Browns Cremation Service Good Call, Bad Call. Plus, we'll have our Prep Stars and Mighty Mavs. That's next on The Jim Davis Show. Who do I listen to? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader. Whoever suggested that has got to be smoking crack and plenty of it. The team. Welcome back, 848. Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Text calls 970-242-1340. It's time for Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service Good Call, Bad Call. Was that a good call or did they totally blow it? It's good call or bad call. Brought to you by Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service. A good call. Making your arrangements now. And it's a bad call if you wait. And unfortunately, have your uh, loved ones have to make that decision for you. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles have one of the best defenses in the league during the regular season. But Niners wide receiver Brandon Ayuk doesn't think that uh, they're going to... uh, Looked that good coming up Sunday in Super Bowl 57. Ayuk, in an interview of the weekend, said that he's not sold on the Philadelphia defense, that the Eagles got lucky when Brock Purdy suffered an injury in the NFC Championship game. 
says, I don't know fully about that defense. I don't know. They talk about being a good defense. I'm not sure. I think the Kansas City pass game will expose what we thought was we were going to be able to expose before some unfortunate circumstances happened. We'll see. Like I said, you've got to get lucky to win the Super Bowl. They just got extremely lucky. Is that a good call on his part that Brock Purdy doesn't get hurt? Maybe they don't. Niners don't win that game, but they certainly have a shot at beating the Eagles with a secondary that maybe isn't that great. I I tend to think against the KC pass game. I think Brandon Ayuk. That's a good call on his part. I think I think the Eagles secondary is susceptible to Mahomes and company coming up Sunday. Yeah, I'm gonna go half and half. It's a good call. I he's right. The Brock Purdy injury was a lucky circumstance for the Eagles. I think it's a bad call in the fact that they wrecked the Giants the week before, 38-7, to and they still put up 31 points on your team. So their defense, the back end may be susceptible, but... Can you stop their offense? Can you stop them? They, they had a great season, and yeah, you know what? Your, your third-string quarterback got hurt in the NFC Championship game. That is bad luck. That sucks for Brandon Ayuk, but it also is a little bit sour grapes, True. I think, more so but, than... But I'm more focused on, is there truth in what he's saying about the Eagles' secondary against KC? I think there's some truth yeah, there. I think the truth lies with the, they got lucky, but I think they were going anyway. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do they win by 24? Probably not. Do they win? Yes. You know Didn't what I mean? you pick San Francisco? Yeah. But also, we're tied. Memory serves me correctly. I know it's going to come down to come down to Sunday. Yeah, I know. yeah. I'm 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 judging coin flip patterns. I'm judging national anthem. Anyway, good call, bad call. I'm going to CMU basketball. I found Blaze Threat where he stands. He's right now 19th. I found some of the guys ahead of him: Ed Carter, Andy Classic, Lance Hansenberger. Where'd you find that? Because I was looking. I had up. to scroll deep into their okay. historical stats. Thank you. Anyway, good call, bad call. That Blaze Three can get to 12th, which is north of 1,088 points by the end of the season. I'm going to say good call. I'm going to say good call. He's got a hot hand right now. I do. He can get above Tim Aceto. Aceto. 1088 is where he stands. Blaze Aceto, right I believe. Now. Yeah, and, so. and, and look, I think Trevor Baskin joins him. I think so. This season, I yep. think he's he's not that far off. All right, that's uh, Brown's Cremation and Funeral Service. Good call, bad call. Time for Prep Stars. It's time to let the stars shine. It's Prep Stars on the Jim Davis Show. All right, my... I'm going to start out with my female Prep Star. We had a great game against Grand Junction. Heather Power, 15 points for the Montrose Redhawks. She's my female prep star. My male prep star is Fruit of Monument basketball player Austin Reed. Did a phenomenal job defensively against Central. He also had 11 points. So those are my prep stars from the weekend. I'm going to Fruit of Central for my female prep star. Going to Addison Air, the junior. 14 points for the uh, Wildcats on 6 of 9 shooting from the floor. Also uh, tracked down 6 rebounds to help the Wildcats win by 16 over the Warriors. And my male prep stars, uh, a co-prep stars, Tyrus Spain, Keaton Young for Palisade, took first place at 126-138 respectively as wrestlers in the Southwestern League, Western Slope League League Finals 
on Friday. All right. Time for Mighty Mavs. Best of CMU Sports. It's Mighty Mavs on the Jim Davis Show. All right. Monica Brooks, career high 25 against Regis. And then Monica went out in the uh, Blizzard and Brownson Arena and delivered uh, with a solid performance in that one as well. 18.7 rebounds. She's my female Mighty Mav. And then Blaze 3 joins the 1,000-point club. Career high 30 in the game against Regis on Friday night. He's my male Mighty Mav. So those are my Mighty Mavs from the weekend. I got to turn my mic back on. My Mighty Mav for the weekend on the men's side, Cash Anderson wrestling. Uh, beat All-American and fifth-ranked Anderson Salisbury Friday night at uh, Colorado School of Mines at their duel. And the women, I'm going to the softball diamond. Women starting out two and three, but five hits, including a triple and a home run, and four RBI to lead the weekend for Riley Crouch at 385 in California. Nicely done. All right, this hour brought to you by Preston Lee at Country Financial. Believes in building relationships, supporting the community, and serving others. Have a chat and let him help you protect the things that are important to you. Google him at Preston Lee Country Financial. We'll have a recap of the uh, high school basketball weekend coming up. Also, we'll talk with uh, Fertile Monument coach Jake Higuera. The Wildcats back into first place in the Southwestern League after their win over Central. So we'll have that coming up next hour. Plus, what makes the list for you? The good, the bad, the ugly? Text or call us 970-242-1340. Should mention, uh, of course, this last Thursday was the return of In the Garage and NASCAR Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. And we'll have it coming up again this Thursday at 940. Martin Trucks Jr., by the way, your winner at the uh, the Clash, uh, at the Memorial Coliseum, the Bud Clash. Martin Trucks Jr., Austin Dillon, you're a top two at that one from Sunday evening. All right, we will take a break, and we'll come back with Hour 3. Text or call us. It is the good, the bad, the ugly on this Monday. We'll make sure list. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. That's 970-242-1340. And uh, don't forget that you can always hear the show and the podcast by going to our website, theteam1340.com. Hour 3 is next on the Team Sports Network.